wants to be seen We and us don't second guess sex said the world's a mess But man who wants to admit that will <laughs> It's always that awkward It's yeah. always awkward to just start it Yeah. If you listen to the other episodes They're like They all have awkward beginnings Because <laughs> you never know how to start it But yeah. anyway Welcome everyone to episode 4 of Sidekick Back Radio. It is uh, December 28th, 2014, and I have with me someone who I haven't seen in a really long time. Yeah, I don't know. Several years. <laughs> several, several years. Uh, we have with us today Henry Mortensen. Hi. Hey. <laughs> uh, Hi. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. Um, I was just at a uh, day spa in Koreatown before this, so I'm feeling very relaxed. Good. <laughs> So any any tension whatsoever that comes into this, it's all from my side. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Because <laughs> you're you're I'm chill, just, yeah, cool as a cucumber. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, um, for those listeners who don't know the story behind my and Henry's relationship, <laughs> um, like my previous guest, um, I went to high school with Henry. Although you were um, a, you were two yeah, years older two years, than me. Yeah. Um, and so my previous guest was Nick Williams, who was two years mm-hmm. younger than oh, me. Okay. So. We, nice little balance there. Yeah, it's a nice little balance, which I didn't anticipate, actually. This is news to me. I didn't even yeah. think about it, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, you were also in the theater department with me. Yeah. We, we did some shows nice. together. It was good times. Uh, yeah, it was, it was very fun. It was, uh, you know, like anywhere it had its problems, but it was uh, a really <laughs> great place to, to be able to go to high school. Like, yeah. Compared well, to what high school can be. And it was also... really awesome. Um, to have it yeah but also you since you were two years older than me you were because i like to say that i was part of kind of this wave because my sister went there mm-hmm. she was four years older than you okay. i guess yeah she's four years older right. than you so i was going to windward you know since she started and i kind of saw the wave of like the new construction and the new yeah um kind of philosophies coming in and so you are like kind of just above me in terms of that wave of change yeah that came I think, I don't know, I guess everyone a little bit is like, my grade was the last grade, blah, 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 <laughs> right. but I feel like there, there was like a, a transition that, that happened with, with my year there, yeah. um, that, I don't know, that, yeah, there was like, and they have like amazing uh, facilities for film and music and stuff now too, mm-hmm. and some newer buildings even, um, but I feel like there was a little bit more of a, a free spirit, like yeah. artsy vibe uh when i started there yeah. the change and also uh, i feel like part of it was the demands of the outside world kind of yeah i think i think there was like a little bit there was that and i think there was like too much of a willingness to like uh uh to comply with those demands yeah. um that like maybe like some of it was like the perception that like this is what needs to be done instead of like well maybe we could do it this other way that's like yeah definitely good <laughs> so <laughs> no worries uh anyway i like to start off every episode with uh this question of of how can i help you today is there anything i can help you with today um i mean you did already uh, have your visit to the yeah. Koreatown spa so sure. well you you know you did because uh i went i went with a friend uh he's leaving tonight he's driving back up uh to the bay uh-huh. and uh so you know and i like i said i was like kind of trying to figure out something with my cousin, he kind of wanted to do something, but that was falling apart anyway. So, you know, you gave me something to do. <laughs> I, I so you helped me filled, out there. Filled in. Perfect Already. timing. 
<laughs> well, that's great. I'm glad it worked yeah. out. Um, so I'm not sure what to to call you though in terms of like what you do because you you have a lot yeah, of. Yeah, I'm not either. I mentioned this on a podcast that I did, not mine, but I was interviewed that it's good to have a lot of irons in the fire, and you are definitely. Ooh. Yeah, I got not I just got not just in one irons. field. You like have so many different things that we're gonna cover, and I'm really excited about it because I'm, I'm I think I'm gonna learn a lot, and I hope okay. our listeners will too. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm I feel like I'm at a point where I'm I'm part of it is that I'm like still figuring mm-hmm. things out in a big way, and yeah. I feel like in the future, like it will be easier to say what I am maybe like because I'll look back and be <laughs> like oh back. that was like the thing that kept going you were developing the <laughs> thing that you'll figure out yeah I <laughs> gotcha so yeah I don't know I just yeah I yeah it's good and bad I guess to have a lot of things mm-hmm. um, well for instance yeah. like just to give an example of what we're getting at because so far we've given right. zero specifics I'm looking at a guitar which you brought yeah so we have music involved you also have your writings. You write yeah. both poetry and stories. Yeah. Um, I w- yeah, I work as uh, an editor as well at, at a publishing company. Um, and uh, I, yeah, and I, I, I write, I've been writing poetry probably the longest of anything. And I've been doing some sort of uh, comedic writing, um, but like the, this thing called storytelling, um, which is... Aren't you a part of a group or you're, you're part of a recurring performance group? Yeah, well, you... I did that. Yeah, we're, we're not doing it anymore. But for a while, we, we, I was doing a show in Venice called What No Shut Up. It was <laughs> a storytelling show. And I go, to this, I go to this thing called The Moth, which is like the main big yeah. storytelling thing, which That's is sort of a story slam. And it's... Uh, there are stories that have to be true and... Uh, they don't have to be funny, so it's kind of it's like stand up that doesn't have to be funny, but does have to be true. Uh-huh. Um, some people go for the like I'm a comedian, I'm going to be funny angle, or the like I'm a writer, I'm going to write this really well and funny angle. Some people are just like I had this crazy thing, or I had this really sad thing happen, and they just like go up and tell that story, mm-hmm. and it's just as good. Um, so that's like a kind of interesting thing. What uh, what do, angle do you take when you go to it? I'm more on the 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 comedic like telling side gotcha. and the content side okay. like not that there isn't any content <laughs> to my stories but just like i don't know i don't necessarily have the depth of life experience to be like here's the story of how i got back in touch with my daughter that like disowned me when she was a teenager or something you know because i don't have a daughter <laughs> or i don't know you that know. you know <laughs> anyway, yeah future future henry knows um <laughs> I'm, I so apologize <laughs> if you get a call in a couple of days. Like they're like, I was listening to this podcast, Thigh Kickback Radio, and I'm your daughter, <laughs> which I totally expect to happen. So, um, so yeah, I go, I go for the mine. Mine tend to be funny. I go, for, I think, cool. I go for that side. And and we'll hear one or two of those yeah, a little later, which I'm excited that. about. This is kind of a a new uh, kind of way forward for my podcast is like getting more performance going because the first two were great interviews with these two mm-hmm. actors but like i think right. it'd be fun to get some performance going yeah i think that's cool i think that makes it a little a little different yeah too, you know it cool. gives it its own little yeah thing. um but so far you haven't mentioned kind of what i what yeah. i would say is your biggest thing but that's right. just like from my point of view yeah. but you're a documentary film right maker. right now that definitely is my biggest thing um i'm making a documentary about a band called uh skating poly who uh 
are just incredibly badass and earnest and uh, uh, they don't like being called rock and roll, but they're rock and roll in all the like best ways. Well, so. I, I, uh, <laughs> I read that article you recently yeah. posted and right. the article I think said ugly pop. Yeah, ugly pop is the term they come <laughs> up for their music, which I think is great. It's totally perfect. And, uh, you know, they, they have like an edge to them. They have some sort of grungy, distorted, fast punky songs yeah. but they have some songs that are on piano or ukulele or acoustic guitar and are much prettier and uh all of their songs have a little bit of both they have a little bit of both all the time they're very sweet but they can also be like really tough uh-huh. um and they're really young they're right? very young um they're 14 and 19 and they've been a band for a little over five years now um they're stepsisters they met i don't know so wait sorry let's do let's do the math here they've yeah. been together for five years yeah, as a band yeah so, so they, they were they nine started... and 14 Nine when they 14. when they got together, which was uh, on Halloween, um, <laughs> of uh, I guess Halloween two thousand nine, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was at a Halloween party, and there was a bunch of kids around, and they ended up uh, jamming. They they've been living together for like maybe a year or something. That um, both their parents uh, are, are separated, and and they have one parent that. Like they're they're stepsisters. They're not related, but they they live together, <laughs> with one each biological parent. Um, and uh, and so they would like they had like kind of gone along. Um, Peyton, the older one, I guess, was a little like uh, like you're young, like come on, nine year old, like back off, leave me alone. <laughs> but then at this party, they just I don't know. She had been learning how to play the drums, and Kelly was always messing around with like melodies and stuff. So they just they. Just, started jamming with like pain on the drums and, and Kelly was I think singing I don't know if she's like playing piano I forget what um now she plays a bass guitar which is this uh three string bass whoa um tune so you can make chords on it uh when she started her shirt she had very tiny hands because she's nine years old uh-huh. and um and she's also sort of double jointed I think in, in her fingers and so playing guitars like hurt like not just like the the strings on the tips of her fingers, yeah. but I think sort of her knuckles too. And so, uh, her dad, inspired by this band, Presidents of the United States of America, set up this bassitar. Oh. So he took a guitar body, and put two strings. I think tuned to like um, I want to say like E flat and G flat. Mm-hmm. It's like the, a D string tuned one up and yeah. a G string tuned one down, something like that. Something where you can just hold them both down on one fret. And it sounds good. Kind of like a, a banjo. I think banjos oh, are tuned it? open, so that way okay. they're super easy to play because you just strum it open and it makes a good sound. Yeah, nice. So you just got to put your finger in random places, yeah. and you know that's how you get that. Like, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. And then she ended up like that first initial one ended up uh, breaking with the weight of the string, so they did it with mm-hmm. a with a bass. And she threw on also like a low E string on top of it, so she can do some like bass lines too. Awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, and my mom met them three or four years ago now, and uh, they came to a show of hers. Um, she's, I don't, should I explain who my mom, mom is? Um, mm-hmm. My mom is uh, named Exine uh, Cervanka, and she was in a band, uh, it still is, called X, uh, that was a, is an L.A. punk band, um, started in, the, in 1977, and um, she was playing a, a solo show in Oklahoma City a few years ago. And it was like a really uh, like cold, dark, rainy, sleety kind of night, and just no one was like. There weren't many people there, and everyone who was in the bar was just like tired and like looking at their drink and like not the stage. And yeah. 
everyone in the band uh, and my mom was just like tired too and like not really into the idea of having to play a show and then these two girls um with uh along with Peyton's mom like walked in and just like lit up the place and they like came to the front of the stage and we're just so excited and uh to see your mom so yeah, like they mom. just went to view they didn't yeah. do any playing whatsoever no they were just going yeah. to see her and they they talked to her after the show and played some of their songs on one of their phones and she gave them her email address and they they started corresponding and they sent her uh i think they sent her links to music videos or like better versions of those songs mm-hmm. And she said, hey, like, um, do you have anyone producing your record? Like, can I come out and produce it? And they're like, well, we just wow. finished the first one. We're working on a second one. <laughs> so she came out and did that. And uh, that's how I found out about them. So. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I don't know. So that was, I don't know, that was like two or three three, four years ago, the, two years ago that, that it came out, that CD? You know, when they were much more mature, and they were um, 11 and Yeah, <laughs> and I think, yeah, it was like 11, 16 <laughs> when they were recording. They're like, yeah, it's like a half-year thing. They had some time yeah. to grow. Yeah. And... Oh, yeah. Um, it is actually, like, much more mature, uh, that second record. It's much yeah. fuller sound. Um, first record, a lot of them are just, like, a guitar and vocals. So, something, and so, that one ha- has drums on every yeah. track. And, so what inspired you then to make a documentary about them? Um, like a couple things. One was just seeing them play live for the first time last, um, I think it was the last day of April mm-hmm. last year, but it might have been at the beginning of May um, in Long Beach. Uh, my mom called me up and was like, hey, remember that band Skating Polly? I was like, oh yeah, they're really good. Um, and she's like, well, they're playing Long Beach. Like, are you free? You want to come? I was like, oh, sure. So I went down there and we had dinner with them and uh, and Kelly's dad, uh, Dave, and um, went and saw the show. And uh, it was just like mind blowing because um, one, I hadn't heard their most recent songs. The last time I saw footage of them, they were like they were like eleven and sixteen, and now at that show they were fourteen and eighteen, I think, and and just like much fiercer. Um, and uh, one can only imagine what's going to happen over the next few years yeah. as they like. <laughs> um, it's, it's really crazy, and uh, and it just blew my mind. And I had been wanting to do a project about uh, the LA punk scene in the late seventies hmm. from a, an anthropological perspective, which is like another one of my yeah. irons in the fire. <laughs> yeah. Anthropology, um, and I initially thought of that as a book, and then I was thinking like, well, maybe doing a documentary or podcast would be better because then I could just like do the interviews and kind of have that be the the, yeah. broad, the finished thing. Um, but it was just like, I didn't know where to start because it was like relying completely on other people, finding out who was alive, seeing if they would like do an interview and any photos or, or footage would have to be someone else's. Um, and so I just didn't know where to start. And like, I had been thinking about trying to do this project for a while leading up to seeing Skating Polly play and about a week after seeing them like this I just had this light bulb moment of like wait they exist now like you can film them yeah now you don't need anybody else's stuff you can just start making this nice project now. have you been watching Sonic um, Highways by any chance the Foo Fighters um, I saw a little bit of it yeah cause I, I I'm super enjoying it um especially the episode on LA because you know right yeah I saw um, a little bit of the um, New Orleans one mm-hmm. but uh it's I think it's it's great in watching them kind of go through the history and also crafting right. a song. I mean, they're a band that I, I really enjoyed growing mm-hmm. up, and it's so weird to see them. Not weird, but, like, it's just crazy to, like, 
be a part of their journey into writing a song, and they finish each episode with kind of a mm-hmm. music video of this debut song that it right. makes up the album. And it's just crazy to, like, kind of be in on the... Not, uh, you know, I don't know what a normal equivalent would be mm-hmm. to an inside joke, but you're, right, like, sure, sure. you're like in on the gig, you know? It's right. Really oh, cool. so you said like, yeah, you see that process and you kind of get where that yeah. song. And like little phrases in the too. song, you're mm-hmm. like, I get that. Mm-hmm. I know where that comes from. And not, and people who That's don't watch it right. won't know. So it's, it's cool. But anyway, um, you touched on your anthro- anthropological yeah. <laughs> studies. Um, I believe you have a master's degree, you said? Yeah. Um, yeah, my graduation ceremony was this past September, actually, but I finished a year before that. So I don't know when I finished. <laughs> but congratulations. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, I have a... The full title is uh, a Master's of Science in Paleoanthropology and Paleolithic Archaeology, um, which means there's like... Because it's, it, I also got it in London. There's three AEs in there, yeah. like three three AE letters <laughs> in that degree title, uh, which I love. But basically, that means in like normal English, uh, like human evolution and uh, early Stone Age archaeology, um, and uh, you know, I it was something I thought I wanted to do. I also thought I wanted to move to London. Um, and so that was part of it, um, cause the master's degree I did was in London. Um, and, uh, it's something I, I think is, is really fascinating, um, that sort of stuff that early because it's, it's fundamental to everything else that's human. Mm-hmm. Um, like anthropology in general is, is a great thing for anyone to study if they're a human, obviously, I don't know who else <laughs> is going to school best. Um, but because it just lets you know ab- about yourself and about, uh, and especially about like other ways of being human that like make just that concept that there's other ways of being human from the way, you know, is like, a whoa, uh, sort of moment and, uh, learning about our evolution um, which I guess requires believing in evolution. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know, that's not a problem. <laughs> but, um, you, you, and like what our earliest thing is because it becomes before anything else. It comes before a lot of it comes before we left Africa or before we were biologically, uh, human. And before we were living in separate countries and stuff, before we had different cultures. So, like, it sort of is this fundamental thing. Um, that being said, it's a really interesting discipline. I don't know. Um, I might end up doing something with it. For me, it's... I don't know. The actual work of it, I found a little... Um, would go over my head or be just, like, daunting. There's a lot of statistics. Yeah. And it's just because you're so yeah. artistic you're so yeah and you know i like i'm you know like i'm fine with math and and stuff but it just it, it just like it was it was boring i guess which is like horrible how dare you sir but how dare just there's an element you seem, to it of like you, you seem so ashamed to say that <laughs> <laughs> you just turned like you, i just saw you like bury your head in your hand you're just like it was boring i'm so sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it's just like when you have like a bunch of little rocks and you don't like know have like any context for who made them or anything like all you can do is be like well i guess we'll measure all the rock tools and see <laughs> what we get like which is like great like someone's got to do that yeah. work you know we got to find out what these things are <laughs> we're going to get any meaning out of them and that's like 
uh, one a big way to do it, and and a lot of it is like these very fine grain um, geological analysis and and for the dating and and what the climate was like, and all that's really important. It's amazing what people can find out from just literally from dirt. Yeah. Um. And uh, but anytime I'd start like having to do some of that or like read about it, like I would just like start to zone out, and I just realized that the papers I was writing weren't like the best job I could do as a writer um, and then beyond that there was like some limitations to just academic writing it's like not very fun mm. um, it's hard to use a lot of synonyms uh, if you're also trying to be scientifically precise mm-hmm. uh, in a paper so like flowery language like this can be like a little frowned upon like because it's like <laughs> well what do you mean the same thing how as dare over you here? put personality um, in this but, which you know makes sense and I just I just felt like well I don't know if I want to be doing this if I'm just going to be doing papers I write at the last minute that I'm not proud of like why would that be my career yeah. like that someone should do this who's like so into it that they're like I got my, I got my paper ready because <laughs> yeah. there were people like that in my program who like had their stuff ready way in advance it'd be so funny if this is what you that this is what you end up <laughs> yeah. doing and, and that look back and you're just like well you that I've it. changed <laughs> <laughs> it happened right here <laughs> in this room. Um, cool. Well, I'm. What What would you say inspires you? Just because it's you do have so many different disciplines, and like something's obviously got you, kind of some sort of forces moving you towards all these different things. And I mean, do you, do you know where it comes from, or like, is it just kind of this like uh, kind of like a just like a dog just following a scent to see where it goes like. yeah i mean there's a bit of that like some of it is like sort of compulsive for me um some of the creativity which like i i have a little bit bad habits i guess as an artist and that like i don't like sit down and make myself write and stuff like that which i really need to do which mm-hmm. is maybe part of why i have so many different things because it's like oh like i have an idea for a guitar part yeah. and like oh then this bass and so then i start like writing a song and then like and I work on that song really hard for a few weeks and, and mm-hmm. like, record, like, a little version of it. And then, like, uh, but then it's, but then it's, like, oh, like, oh, right, that story I was writing. And then, like, I go and, like, like, I'm going to write this story, like, so I can send it to this thing. And then it's, like, been two weeks and I'm, like, oh, right, that drum track I wanted to do on that song. It's sort of, like, so sometimes it's a little bit like that. Like, yeah. I just, like, let myself follow whatever, like, I'm feeling like I want to do. In the moment, I really do need, like, music has become something really in, important in, in, like, almost just a therapeutic way mm-hmm. of um, of it just, like, it feels so good to, to just be able to do that. Uh, when I was, when I moved to London, I didn't bring my guitar with me, and I ended up buying a guitar while I was there because it was just, like, driving me crazy. Um, all of them, I don't know, it's something... The creative process, I think, is is um, gives one something that like is something that I think is a big part of like the search for I don't want to say search for meaning, the search <laughs> for meaning in life. But you know, just something like for like searching like what like you can get out of being a human. Like any sort of like meditative process has a lot to do with being in the moment, and when you're doing something creative or like just something athletic. Um, something active you like get that where everything sort of falls away and you're just focused on that that one moment um and I really love that and I don't know like in in high school I I did dance and dance was like that definitely uh acting can be like that if you like are 
at a place where you're comfortable enough to like forget everything and really be in that character. It's like acting's a harder one, I think, in some ways. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of distractions, like remembering stuff and mm-hmm. um, and uh, and music for me is definitely uh, like that a lot. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's hard. It's I I think I I get inspired a lot by by other people doing stuff when I see someone else. I think some people, if they see especially someone that they know having success in something that they also do, there can be a feeling of like resentment. But for me, usually it ends up just being like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I'm going to go work on a song too, or like, I'm going to go write something too, or I'm going to go film a sketch too, or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, And so I like, I really like seeing like passion and others because I have a lot of trouble deciding what my favorite things are and like so I'm that's like a big part of it is I'm just doing like everything because I like don't I like everything yeah. in a big way and uh, so like I, I, I have trouble like choosing like this is my thing that I'm going to do and this is what I feel really passionate about but at the same time I, I really like admire that in other people so yeah. that's how I get inspired a lot like with Skating Polly they're like they know that they want to be musicians and they love bands and music and they like know everything about every band and like even the ones I don't like that much and like <laughs> like Kelly loves 90s music and she was born in 2000 but she knows more about it than me <laughs> you know and she's showing you up <laughs> so funny <laughs> and stuff and like so that like is really inspiring for me to see someone who's like so like Passionate, fully yeah. on in that and then that makes me like want to go not just like tell other people their story by filming them but also like go w- work on my own music and, yeah like, I, I think i think th- this film i'm really enjoying making this film because it is my project so i have like a degree of control and i am creating something but at the same time i can rely on, on sort of someone else's passion to guide yeah. it in a way and and it it really like yeah i i think i enjoy working with other people a little bit more like sort of being on this side of the camera sort of like literally and metaphorically you yeah. know if that makes sense like i think i i, I like the idea of, of helping other people do their things yeah. almost more than than doing my own i'm not sure What's the approach you're taking in terms of the the filming of it itself? Are you yeah. just like kind of letting the camera roll and hoping to catch these moments that'll tell their story, or are you in doing very pointed interviews and trying to pull something out? I mean, like, um, there's a little bit of both. Um, if I had like a, a bigger sort of crew setup, um, oh, that was the other thing. Is yeah. it is it just you? Most for the most part, it's just me. Um, I've had some help on some things. Um, in LA, um, mm-hmm. everything on the road has been just being, well, um, actually, uh, Kelly's older brother, Kurt, um, helped me film a little bit. Got gotcha. The second camera. Um, but it's, it Oklahoma. sounds like it's just super small. Uh, it's just... Yeah. And Emma Berliner, who also went to high school with us, she's helped me film a little recently. bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got someone to do sound at, at one show here and, um, they have a few shows coming up in January that I'm going to have a sound person for as well. But for the most part, it's been me with a, um, a, uh, Canon camcorder. That's sort of like the top of the line of camcorders. It's not, I decided not to go <laughs> the, the like DSLR room. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit more affordable and I can't change the lens, but it has a good lens and the lens that it has is very good for low light. And I was filming a lot of shows. Gotcha. So, um, that was helpful. Cool. And then I have two GoPros, which I put on either side of the stage at shows or, 
like on another angle when I'm doing interviews um, so that I have stuff to cut between, cool. um, even though I only have me as a camera. <laughs> um, and then I'm doing a lot of interviews, interview them and their family and uh, some friends and then a lot of more well-known or at least more experienced musicians and music industry type people uh like my mom and uh so far i haven't done a lot of those but hopefully i'll, I'll get to doing some of them um i interviewed Lori barbero who's the drummer of babes in toyland um which was like a before riot girl girl grunge group um and she's really great and and she met them a while ago i think kelly sent her a facebook message or something and she like wrote back and then saw them play. saw the music video i think just saw them play recently yeah uh, in August, um, and that was really great. I'm gonna interview um, Kate Nash is a friend of theirs now. Um, uh, a woman named Soko who uh, is a musician based in LA now. She's from France. Um, awesome. uh, I'm gonna interview Cliff Skurlock, who Kelly calls her Satan father, because <laughs> uh, he's sort of her rock and roll godfather. Um, haven't he's like their sort of best friend. He was the drummer of the Flaming Lips until recently, and uh, I haven't met him yet. Um, he lives in Kansas, um, and I, I've spent the night at his house actually <laughs> when I was on him. tour with him. But he was in <laughs> Wales. He keeps, he keeps going to Wales every time I'm in the Midwest. <laughs> That's weird. He's like, he's like, he's like, well, Henry's coming to the Kansas. So I gotta gotta, gotta go head over to Wales. <laughs> Wow. Um, cool. Well, um, I mean, you brought so many great things. I mean, let's yeah. let's get into the performance stuff. Okay. I mean, what do you want to do first? Um, I mean, I guess reading something would be easier. easier. You didn't have to right. change the, the Let's hit, hit us with some poetry, man. <clears throat> okay. Right. I've got a, I brought a couple newer things, and then I brought that poem, a poem, I think I, I probably read it at a coffee house, too, called uh, second chance, give or take a few. Okay. And would you rather do it and then tell the kind of story or explain it or set it up and then do it? Huh. I don't know. Um, oh, I guess probably read it first and then like, cause I don't really know what to say about them. Cool. So like, cause then you can ask me about them yeah. after. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you're putting it on me. All right. I Thanks. guess I'll, I'll start with this old one. This is one of the, I think I wrote this as I wrote a bunch of poems for the first assignment because I just like was unblocking a lot of creative yeah. need. But the uh, uh, Brendan Constantine's poetry class at, at Winward, I think this was I wrote this for the first assignment. Um, it's called uh, Second Chance, Give or Take a Few. Uh, no borders would be nice. Uh, I don't know how well that will work though. It might be too hard to make sure everyone's doing the correct thing. So maybe we keep the borders, but just act like they don't exist. But maybe we'll all lose our cultures or start wars with each other because we're not being open enough. Um, okay, start over. Let's keep the borders, but talk about everything and negotiate. But what if someone refuses to negotiate? We make them. How? Well... I don't know. We give them a warning or something. Okay. Start over. Uh, keep the borders. Everyone just ignores everyone else. Live and let live. What if people are bad? Their government will keep them in check. What if their government's bad? Uh, 
Well, they won't be. Okay. Uh, start over. No borders, no governments. People look out for each other. Um, how will they survive? Well, they'll work together and form groups and share with each other. The more fortunate with the less fortunate. What if they don't want to share? They have to. Why? Because they do. Come on. Well, we'll decide on a group of people to regulate things, to govern what goes on. We'll call it a government, and each group, let's call them communities, each group will have its own government and decide boundaries and... Wait. Okay. Start over. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that one. So, you wrote that, you must have written that... Um probably around 2007, 2006, mid-2000s, basically. Yeah, 2005, I think. And <laughs> clearly we've come so far yeah. <laughs> in the days since, Yeah, <laughs> which uh, is great. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. So was there something in particular that was, that that was in reference to, or? I don't think there wasn't anything that particular that was pretty generalized, and that was really, like, like, as I was writing that poem, I didn't know that it was going to end up, like, being, like, we can't solve this. <laughs> like, I didn't know that that was going to be the ending of it. So At first, I was, like, actually trying to be, like, well, here's what some people think. Let's take that apart. Let's see if there's something else. I was, like, actually going through that so process. So this was, like, an honest exploration yeah. of trying to make <laughs> yeah. this life work. And as it went on, I started to realize, with... like, okay, this, okay, start over. I'm going to repeat this over and over because this is hard. And then, like, <laughs> uh, so it, like, kept going. I was like, okay, this is just silly and pointless. And that last dance, obviously, like, I knew I was headed towards, like, the fuck just it. back to government. And, like, oh, it's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Cool. What else? Okay. Next. Um... This one's also sort of um, political-ish. Um, <laughs> political-ish. But it has like a... Um, it has a regular meter and a rhyme scheme. Cool. Which is... Not many people do these days. <laughs> uh, it's called The Hole That Grew Beneath the City. The hole below the city grew, the heads untended left to rot, of citizens except their lot, a nod inside all but few... The politicians hawk them all. The last room left will have a view of screaming mouths without a clue. The signs will say welcome to the ball. Our heads all turn to watch the shot, the final play that lights our pyre. Igniters play the soothing sayer. The people's wager is forgot. Their work uncounted, not a clue. The people give what they have not. Yet those who have are those who want. In greed they feed the hole that grew. Their fear unbound, to arms they call, you must build yourselves a pyre, you must kill your mother, kill your sire, erode the base, the top mayn't fall. Surprising all who listen not, the poor are first to heed the call, the rich at high do eat them all, protesting voices never fought. All they who know the truth called liar, all those who think not theirs to do, they dare not vex the greedy few, those children learned in only ire. But who will fill the hole that grew? Those undevoured are distraught. Outside they looked, no help they got. Inside, the answer they once knew. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, that yeah, that one got really intense. Yeah, I wrote it. That was um, such a different tone. Yeah. Um, and that one, like writing with a rhyme scheme or a meter, even if it's not a regular meter, is is or like a syllable count is what is like one of my favorite ways to write a poem because it, it's like makes it sort of like a game it's mm -hmm. really fun um because 
it's sort of it's freeing um, because you focus on like, well, I got to fill this line this way instead of being like, what's the story I'm trying to tell? And if you start being like, like trying really hard to like make a story go somewhere, it can be a little bit counterproductive to that story. And so that like gets you out of that mindset. And then it's just also fun for me, at least. I don't know. Some people probably think it's really horrible, <laughs> but like being like, "Oh, what rhymes with this word?" Like I don't know the fun game. So that's why how I started with that one, and then it got yeah, it got dark, <laughs> got real, got real dark. <laughs> cool. But it's you know, true cool. stuff. Um, you want to do true a stuff. a story? Uh, or... sure. I can do. I brought one more poem if you want. Oh yeah, can totally. Do one yeah, we do it. Yeah, go for it. Um, this is a poem that I'm sort of turning into a song right now. Ooh. Like chopping it up. Yeah. Um, it's called Here. Here we find ourselves, here with the dew, breaking rose petals, here the sun rises, here it begins. Here I am ignited, here words fall apart and the senses go dim, but here I see and here I know, the light within me grows, but the way it does not show. Here is now, and you, here is my image, a negative exposed in your eyes. Here is meeting your gaze and knowing you. Here is connected, here is all we can see, here is life and warmth. Here calm may be found, and doubt has no place. Here we are all neighbors with castle walls between us. Here is simple, here asks for nothing. Here demands your attention, here sees who you are. Here you are whole. Here comes the outside, from down the road. Here the veil falls. Here there was quiet. There, here goes. Nice. So that's sort of that, like, Zen being in the moment. Yeah. Kind of thing I was talking about with, with sort of the creative process. In yeah, general. yeah. Um, and definitely, like, sports, too. Um, sports were, like, never totally my thing. But I played lacrosse for a couple of years and uh, do martial arts. And I think that is also, like, anything... If you can really like do it in a way where you're totally engrossed in it, uh, yeah. you do get that sort of like zen, like being in the moment thing. <laughs> Got the lunchbox story. Sure. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So when I was in middle school and high school, I was a bit of a rebel, um, but I wasn't really rebelling against anything. Uh, in fact, all the adults around me were supportive of my bondage pants and blue hair. Um, my mom lived in the Pacific Palisades and my dad lived in Venice Beach so it wasn't like I couldn't complain about my town not being cool enough or nice enough Um, in fact my parents are both super progressive artists of all trades my mom is a punk rock musician Um, she would help me decide how to dye my hair in fact well you know if you did purple you wouldn't have to bleach it first Um, and plus you know my elementary school uh, was an incredibly progressive place. Uh, I dyed my hair for the first time in fourth grade. Uh, and from first grade to 12th grade, I called all my teachers by their first names. In middle school and high school, um, everything I did to sort of stand out, every unnecessary zipper, every platform boot, every barefoot stroll, uh, earned the respect and laudation of both my fellow students and maybe not all the administrators, but most of the teachers, certainly. Um, as a middle schooler, seniors and juniors came up to me to tell, uh, tell me they thought my houndstooth blazers and liberty spikes were cool. Um, I had a history teacher in eighth grade who had me uh, come to the front of the class to congratulate me for marching to the beat of my own drum. 
to show the rest of the class that it was important to question societal norms. Um, and I still managed to uh, get voted best dressed senior year after wearing a poncho to school every day that year. <laughs> um, I, I was both a rebel and a teacher's pet somehow. Um, so in eighth grade, which was the height of my uh, glam punk days, um, I had this little tin lunchbox I got from uh, a friend of my mom, actually, um, which I used as a pencil case. Um, and it said all sorts of sassy things on it, like school is a drag, uh, 13666, have a shitty day, uh, with a smiley face with one eye X'd out. And, uh, the creme de la creme, 69 is my favorite number. Um, I at the time didn't know what the joke of the last one was. Uh, my friend Stacy had to explain it to me after I objected to her telling me the lunchbox was so gross. Um, anyway... My artsy-turned-preppy private school had such a safe, supportive community vibe going on that we would just leave our stuff in front of our next class or by a lamppost or some other geometric piece of modern architecture and then just take off for lunch or whatever. Um, so one day, I left my lunchbox in front of Bud's history class and uh, <laughs> went to get lunch. And when I got back, it was gone. Um, I was shocked. Uh, I was hurt i i was crestfallen um that morning my dad had actually been worried about something happening to lunchbox uh if i brought it to school um during so i went you know went into that history class and halfway through the dean of the middle school uh eric mandel came in um and asked to see me outside um now eric who we generally did call by both names um I don't know why, but he got both names for some reason. Um, Eric Mandel had a particular angry face he made when trying to keep disruptive children in line at assemblies or whatnot, um, where you sort of puff out his lip and, and get really red and look side to side. And that combined with the crust, um, I'm sorry, Eric, <laughs> the crust around his nose and lips and the spittle that flew freely from his mouth it was just really a terrifying sight when he was mad. Um, and he was making that face when he asked to see me outside. Um, so I was scared. Um, he told me that he'd seen the lunchbox while giving a tour to some prospective parents, uh, and which are parents, private schools, these are parents of, of, of students who are thinking of applying to this school and potential sources of money, very important. Um, giving a tour to prospective parents and that he had confiscated lunchbox, luckily, before the prospective parents had seen it, um, and he wanted to see me after school with one of my parents. Um, I uh, just had PE left that day, and I drudged through it totally defeated. Uh, the two coaches, um, Mike and Rob, had seen the lunchbox in the dean's office, and they thought the whole episode was hilarious. Um, one of them bet the other that I'd flip and become a Republican in 30 years. Um, I didn't see the humor in the situation as I sat in my purposefully ripped PE uniform. 69 is my favorite number, huh? One of the coaches said, I just found out what that means today, I said. Um, waiting in the parking lot, I worked myself into a frenzy. Uh, the end was nigh. 
when my dad finally came to pick me up, um, I just like burst in the car, starting to tear up. You were right, I shouldn't have brought it to school. I, like I got in trouble, and, and my dad just went, whoa, 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 like slow down. What what happened? After I told him, he said, well, you know, I was just worried that some kid would steal it or something. Um, I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, they're just words, not hateful or anything. Um, my eyes went dry. Like I wasn't in trouble. Uh, my dad was was going to bat for me. Um, on the way to the dean's office, the feeling of dread sort of returned. Um, you know, uh, we went straight to his office, and Eric had that slight rosy tint, but he would sort of had a satisfied smile on his face. Um, he made his case to my dad. Well, as you can see, this is very inappropriate behavior in this very buddy-buddy kind of assured way. Um, and, you know, the prospective parent, blah, blah. Uh, my dad just stopped him with, but they're just words, right? Uh, and I sort of felt the warmth return to my body. Now, just words is, is something that my dad says all the time, but sort of as like a joke, like if he's like, Hey, you know, like maybe you should like do that later. Just words, you know, just words. Or like, just if he's like saying you know, like him and his friends will use that to each other if they've like said something sort of offensive. It's like this like cheeky sort of jokey thing. But this time he meant it. They were just words and words shouldn't put me in that much trouble. Um, and Eric just started uh, to just turn redder and redder. And he made his pouty face and his head started shaking back, back and forth until he erupted, really erupted with, if a prospective parent had seen it. And then explained to my dad, you know, I was giving a tour, but luckily I saw it before they did. And picking up the lunchbox, he continued, and 69 is my favorite number. Come on. I thought you were a smart kid, Henry. I don't know what that means, I said. <laughs> he wanted to suspend me uh, and then give me a week of detention once I got back. Um... My dad understood how he could see that prospective parents might not like it, but he didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, they both sort of stuck to their guns. We left it undecided. Luckily for me, um, Jerry, uh, who's the like associate dean, um, intervened um, and talked Eric down to uh, one day of detention, <laughs> which uh, at uh, our school meant... Um, eating lunch in a classroom and not being allowed to talk instead of eating it on a grassy knoll. Um, and, you know, I had, I kept forgetting about that. I kept, I forgot and then it became two and then four. It just kept multiplying because it kept not going. Um, so it was actually a bad, but, you know, things were never really that bad um, after the lunchbox thing, but Eric, there was like a distance always after that episode, and I felt like he always like had like a little suspicious look in his eye when he saw me. I, there's just I don't know, maybe it was just me. A couple of years ago, I saw him at a catered alumni lunch, sort of like "We want your money" kind of thing, um, and he came up to me with this big smile and a handshake, and uh, you know, I figured, oh, he had to be nice now. You know, I graduated and I was a prospective donor. Um, Henry, great to see you, but I could still see that glint of suspicion in his eye. Or, you know, I might be flattering myself and he doesn't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. end. Yeah. Wow. The end. That's great. <laughs> yeah. All true. All true. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I think it's just I've, yeah. your dad. I mean, is Vigo Mortensen? Yeah. Just to imagine Eric <laughs> face to face with Vigo and yeah. just just <laughs> just it, sixty-nine is my favorite number. Come on, Henry. <laughs> And, and your dad just like it's just words. So, I'm sorry. That's... It was so cool. I thought it was in so much trouble. I thought I was gonna be in so much trouble with my dad when he was coming to pick me up, and he was like, "What? What's what? They what? Is that, is that like a Danish thing? Like in Denmark, are they much freer with that stuff? Like, yeah. I mean, I guess that that's true. But my dad's just sort of like I don't know. He's just like a very like open-minded kind of guy. Just like a yeah, you know, uh, very tolerant. Very progressive, very anti-prohibitionist. Just like you know, just like everyone should do their thing. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, would you like to play some music now? Sure, let's play some music. Yeah. And I'll... Um, you know, I was thinking about my experience at Windward in terms of the term "ugly pop" today and yesterday. In what way? Because like, like ugly popular, right? Like huh. at Windward, I felt like I had a lot of friends, and the like cool like what you would mean when you stereotypically said popular kids mm-hmm. kind of were friends with me or liked me or admire oh. me or whatever because what I was doing was like weird and my own thing like I don't know if like ugly is the necessarily right word but it was certainly ostentatious and like mismatched and strange yeah. and I feel like th- like part of their coming up with this ugly pop thing is they had like shitty like sh- for Kelly elementary school experience and for yeah. Payne high school experience of being like bullied and like made fun of for being weird and yeah. different and like I was lucky enough to be at a school where, like, there was such a thing as being, like, ugly popular. Yeah. I, I mean, I talked about this with Nick, how our yeah. high school experience was so not the same yeah. as the rest of the country. Um, you know, definitely the private school bubble of L.A. is, like, such a different experience than yeah. what everyone else gets. Do you, How do you think that Peyton and Kelly would have, like, their trajectories would probably be so different had they gone to Winwood yeah. just because they would have been... You know, I think, honestly, I think they would just be further along because they huh. would have, but maybe, like, it might be bad in some ways, they would have a lot more self-confidence. Yeah, they would have been in an incubator that would yeah. be like... Because right, like, because Peyton especially is very shy, mm-hmm. um, and Kelly can be very, like, flowery and, like, bubbly and, and friendly and, and talkative once you get to know her, but she can seem very shy at first, too, and they're both, like, very like Peyton doesn't talk in between songs at all and Kelly only talks a little bit and she's sort of like flustered as she's doing it um but so I think you know like if they had been in an environment like Winward like in maybe in some ways it might have made them like less genuine because they were like less concerned with what other people think and being weird but it it might make them just like that much better because like they would have like just like played shows even sooner or something you know because they were like more confident (laughs) <laughs> um, cool. but maybe they need that for their drive I don't know there's a lot of angst in their music isn't it so interesting that like the, the set of circumstances that set us that yeah. bring us to today like one minuscule change and things would have been so yeah. different All right. <laughs> you got something else you got another um, this, yeah this is another sort of moody breakup kind of <laughs> dealio um, called uh, I Wanna Hurt You oh uh, it's not that mean, though. Don't be afraid. <laughs> there's, there's more than just that there. In it. <laughs> it was fun for a while. 
but you led me on You said it's on my heart now You're gone But I'll keep coming back Anyhow And I wanna hurt you I wanna make you cry But when I see you I just melt inside your eyes And I'll keep coming back I'll keep coming back Yeah, I'll keep coming back I'll keep coming back Till I But the look in your eyes when you see him just kills me. And I wanna hurt you, I wanna make you cry. But when I see you smile, I just melt right in your eyes. And I'll keep coming back, I'll keep coming. Congratulations, first per, first performance on yeah. the radio. Yeah. Oh, where are you going? Uh, I gotta, I gotta you stretch. gotta stretch. <laughs> I was like, like, I okay. just started the recording. Okay, again. okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, I didn't realize you started recording again. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> no, that's funny. Everybody just listened to your balls. <laughs> anyway, um, cool. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up because we're we're at about an hour. And uh, yeah. thanks for stopping by. Is there anything else? Ah, in the middle of your song, I uh-huh. remembered as you were walking in, you told me that you were just in a sta- uh, play reading. Oh, yeah. Right? 
Yeah, it was. Uh, and something <laughs> happened to you, which. Yeah, I uh, I was. It was you know. Uh, it was a stage play read, so there was action, and there was this part where I was. There was like a a stage combat thing where I was supposed to get punched in the face, but not really punched. Um, we had like worked it out. Uh, and on the first performance, uh, the guy who was supposed to punch me just like actually punched me right in the nose. And I had these blood packets for a bloody nose and they w- didn't work. And I had an actual bloody nose, so it was okay. But uh, it just it reminded me and I'm glad we had this opportunity to catch up because I like really wanted to tell you that that <laughs> happened to me because the same thing happened to you That's in right. high school. That's right. We were in Daughters of Atreus. Yeah. We were playing two. Which pre- if you haven't heard of it, like don't. <laughs> It's it's a tough play. It's a tough yeah. play. But although we did have that the pool of water on stage, that was that so was pretty cool. cool. It's yeah. just a pool of water. Not many high schools I think do that. Go, true. go that far in production value. Um, directed by the great Rob Duval. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were two guards and we had this whole sword fight sequence in the middle of yeah. it. The guy playing Achilles, who had to give me a fake punch, just yeah. whops <laughs> me right on the nose. And yeah. and but what was funny about it was we you and I had no lines as, as these <laughs> yeah. parts right so we were very like kind of like playing the tree kind of thing yeah. but we did have this awesome fight scene and on that particular day when I got punched in the nose my nose starts bleeding on stage and I was like trying to think of what how to cover it or like what to do and I just left like I waited for a, a line that like let me leave in haste. Yeah. And I left, and then you just ended, and you were, like, fake drowned in the pool, <laughs> yeah. but, like, you were alive still. Yeah. And you fake drowned in the pool, and then I, you were alone, cool. and I remember you coming off stage and being like, no, I'm really glad that happened, because I got this moment. <laughs> Didn't you? Because you were like, <laughs> yeah. like, the lights came down on just you in <laughs> yeah. the pool by yourself, and you just shake your head, and you're just like, <sighs> <laughs> And so it was, like, this beautiful moment it's of, true, like, yeah. theater that... <laughs> You got it, and then uh, the guy came off stage and was pretty nice about it. He got me a uh, some sort of painkiller, not nothing too serious, but like Advil or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, that that happened, and I'm sorry it happened yeah. to you. Yeah, but... it was. Uh... Yeah, could have been worse. You know, I kept going. I kept. I if it, luckily I was like supposed to have a. You buddy probably had lines me. after. I, I I didn't actually. All I had to do, all I was supposed to do, was like go to the front of the stage with my bloody nose and and strike this pose, and then like lights out. So. Interesting. What was this play? What um, it? it's it was uh, it's a new thing that um this guy Tom Patchen, who's uh, an amazing uh, art collector, wrote about uh, this artist Joseph Boys, um, and it's sort of weird surrealist kind of takes place at his funeral sort of and there's like ghosts of like Nietzsche and mm-hmm. um and uh Rudolf Steiner who he like he worked a lot with their work and and he he did all this stuff with like felt and fat and there's all this like sort of holocaust like references in it and like all this like deep and it just looks like these like ugly like weird things but there's actually this whole like crazy subtext to them so it sounds very visual yeah super visual um cool but a lot of like a lot of Long dialogue too, hmm. uh, like reading things. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, thanks for stopping by, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hope thanks you had fun. Hope, yeah. hope all you listeners are still listening. Yeah, <laughs> and you all had fun and enjoyed uh, Henry's music and poetry and writings. Yeah, and, and I hope if you are still listening, it's not because someone like made you or something. <laughs> and you're like not enjoying. What are you saying it? about me? That would what be worse. Think I go to my friends and I'm like, you will listen to it. <laughs> Well, I guess the last 
bit of business is, is I guess there's a sign off. We have a sign off okay. that's kind of picking up, and uh, all it is is just you just say side kickback radio. You do like a little okay. karate chop, so and you can do your own version if you want. But uh, yeah, man, sign us off of okay. episode four. Uh, all right, side kickback radio. <laughs> Great. Perfect. <laughs> Kick fights lose.